Service podcast. Today I'd like to welcome Ken Spector, who is part of the Happy Cow crowd. He does marketing for them, and he's been kind enough to spend some time with me and, and let me pick his brain about traveling and vegan and everything like that. So welcome to the podcast, Ken. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me. No, thank you very much. So I like to get started with when I interview people just telling me their personal story. So if you wouldn't mind telling me how you, you know, did you grow up eating this way or did you change your diet as you got older? How did you come to a plant-based diet? Yeah, it was uh, about 25 years ago I decided uh, that I wanted to change my life around. Uh, I got a, to a pretty early start with veganism. I was never a vegetarian. I became vegan um, after going to a bookstore. I picked up a book called Fit for Life by a physiologist. Um, it was the Diamonds, actually. And uh, they wrote a book called Fit for Life. And I read over it, and it talked about how you're dehydrated at night and how you should eat fruit in the morning first thing and helps to rehydrate you, and it's the perfect food to eat in the morning and why you shouldn't eat meat and how long meat takes to digest. and I thought, you know, I think I'm going to do this, and I did, and I never looked back. <laughs> I never looked back after that. You literally did that overnight. Yeah, and sorry, I'm not choking up. I'm actually choking on some <laughs> of these little nuts that I sometimes eat. <laughs> the dangers of eating plants. Little pecans, yes. Oh well, those are, and you haven't shelled them yet either. I remember doing that as a kid. Actually, I have shelled them. Oh, but, have uh, you? Oh, that was a yeah. shell I saw. Okay. <laughs> Shell ends up on the nut, and then I end up eating it. So. Not good. <laughs> I cannot uh, perform the Heimlich on you through video. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure you can't. So, yeah, I began, uh, began my uh, long-time veganism. Okay, that's amazing. And so when you started that next day, I mean, was there family involved? What did, your, what did everyone uh, think? I was living in Virginia at the time, uh, Northern Virginia. I didn't know any vegans. I knew of no vegan restaurants. I knew, I knew of no vegan products. Remember, this is Virginia 25 years ago, so there really wasn't much going on at all. But, and I always loved animals, and I had stopped eating chicken when I was like six or seven years old because I had a really bad experience with chicken. It was really gross. A vein got caught in between my teeth when I was eating chicken. It was tragic. It was horrible. Oh, wow. Uh, Disgusting, and I stopped eating lobster for reasons. Basically, meat, fish, and one—I was—they were sort of talking to me, telling me not to eat them, just based on the fact that they, there was some disgusting elements of them, and I didn't want to do them. And I also loved animals, but uh, I was eating hamburgers. That was like, you know, I, I didn't really make the connection as much because it was ground up, and I didn't really know what I was eating. I sort of knew, I guess, but. That was the last thing. That was the last piece of meat that I ate was a hamburger. I don't even remember when I stopped eating that, but yeah. So it was a it's a transition. No family involved. There was no friends involved. I did it silently, and I started doing it with um, pasta. I remember my, I was eating for about six months pasta spaghetti with low fat tomato sauce. Why low fat? I don't even know. But <laughs> I'm well doing that a lot now. But then I was no one was doing that. So I was eating a lot of pasta, and I was really hungry. And, uh, but yet I thought I would eat some fruit and pasta with tomato sauce for like six months and wasn't a great time as far as my health goes, probably. I just wasn't feeling so well, but mm. I was stubborn. And so, yeah, that's what I did. So who was the first vegan that you met that you connected with? It had to have been out in Los Angeles. I moved to Los Angeles when I, let's see here, that was about 20, 24 years ago. So I moved out to Los Angeles soon thereafter. And the first vegan who I met, that's a good question because I don't even know who that might be. Hmm. I remember 
early my early days i i went to this restaurant in los angeles a raw food restaurant of all places like 1995 it was a raw food restaurant called oxygen and uh it was amazing and that i remember inspired me into meeting more vegans and getting more involved in the vegan cause but i don't actually i can't recall the first vegan who i met can't i just don't might have been someone at that restaurant for all i know (laughs) probably and as far as and you said you said you got involved with the vegan movement what what did that entail Vegan movement. Um, let's see. So the vegan movement really started for me going to sort of, there were these groups that they had. It was online. It was the early days of the internet. And there were, I was sort of looking for different groups. And I'll tell you, I think I do remember the first vegan who I met. Um, I was at a, on a Sierra Club hike. And because I joined Sierra Club and I ended up, I was on a hike and there was a guy there who was a vegan and he was probably like 40 years old and I thought he was like 25 so see what the vegan diet does to you. but uh, yeah I think that was a guy who I met and I, I was through Sierra Club I was sort of I was meeting people that were into the environment and then um, I ended up sort of getting involved in some groups that were online it was early days so it wasn't like there were meetup groups or anything but I do remember just he sort of referred me to a couple restaurants in town and then I ended up going to that, again, the Oxygen Bar on uh, Sunset, and I met some people there, and then it just sort of grew from there, um, just meeting vegans and realizing that there were other people out there that were as crazy as I was. <laughs> and Oxygen Bar in Colorado is a whole other connotation. It's like oh, yeah? zero oxygen. They give you little tubes so you're at high altitude. So. <laughs> yeah, thought about those later on, but yeah, the Oxygen, I think it was, it was called the Oxygen Bar, I believe, but the food was amazing. Oh, John Wood. He was Woody Harrelson's private chef, and I was intrigued by that as well. And he sort of was the chef at Oxygen Bar, and I was blown away. Was Woody Harrelson vegan that far back? I believe so, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, At least eating very healthfully. Wow, that's amazing. I I love the raw food uh, restaurants, but they just unfortunately take forever sometimes when they have, like, with my family with me. And you're you're waiting 45 minutes, but it's quite delicious. Yeah, it might Six, by the way, it was either ninety-five or ninety-six. It was somewhere in there. The oxygen. That's a year. But that, I remember that being the experience that really started to get. I got into the raw food scene. I was a raw foodist for ten years. Um, no longer now. I'm a vegan and not a raw foodist. I do a mixed diet, but mostly raw, as you can see by my uh, all my Pecans. hazel. Oh, hazelnuts. Yeah. <laughs> Pecans. I don't even know what they are. <laughs> but yeah, so so I did become. Um, more intrigued by the vegan diet and more gourmet vegan diet. And I took a lot of cooking classes from Oxygen Bar as well, where I learned to cook raw food vegan and mm-hmm. um, still don't even have an oven. To this day, I got, once my oven broke, got rid of my oven. I have a dehydrator. I have my um, blender. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, at home I don't cook. Oh, wow. So, so what's your favorite thing to eat then at home? At home, um, you know, I, I it's usually really simple. I, I eat a lot of salads. I eat nuts. I just bought a ton of pomegranates ton of pomegranates so they're seasoned you know i like to eat seasonal if possible um which is usually possible living in los angeles but yeah i just sort of you know i'm not really i can do a lot of gourmet raw things i probably cook or prepare better raw than i do cook you know i actually did buy more recently a what are they called the uh, pressure cookers so i do have a pre- electric pressure cooker now and i love making lentils 
with that. So I do eat a little bit of, of cooked, but very little at home. So what are you eating when you're traveling then? What are, what is your favorite meals? When I'm traveling, you know, with Happy Cow, I do eat out a lot. Um, I, in fact, I pretty much only eat out, but occasionally I'll shop at a farmer's market and get some fruit. But the things that I like to eat are, um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty simple guy. I mean, I, I love holes in the walls. I like places that are inexpensive and the food is really good. So the typical things that I'll eat when I go out, again, a lot of salads, um, a lot of veggie burgers. That just happened. When you're traveling and you're vegan, you end up eating a lot of veggie burgers. Just Almost every that. restaurant has a veggie burger. <laughs> I right, so eat a lot of veggie burgers. I'm trying to think what else. Um, I, I guess there isn't really a typical thing that I'm eating when I go out. You know, I'm going to all different types of restaurants, all different price points. A lot of times um, I'll eat five or six at five or six restaurants a day just so I can write reviews on Happy Cow or I can just check out the food scene in the particular places. What I'll do is I'll often order, you know, an appetizer at one restaurant and then I'll order uh, salad at another restaurant and a main at another restaurant, dessert at another restaurant. But, you know, there, there have been times when I've had an awful lot of food in the day. But it's <laughs> and lean, so I have a fast metabolism, so I'm able to do that. Right. Well, that well, I never thought of instead of getting your food in multiple, you know, like uh, orders in different places, I'll have to actually try that because there's mul- multiple restaurants I want to try. So You can get a feel, right? I've been able to get a feel at different restaurants just based upon – I, if you order an appetizer at a restaurant, you can get kind of a feel how good the food is going to be. And if the food's really good, sometimes I'll just stay there and eat a meal. But I can usually get a pretty good handle on what the food is like just by having maybe an appetizer or a salad at one restaurant and a main at another restaurant. Mm. It, it, it's, it's, it's a really good way of sort of trying a restaurant if you have limited time yeah. and you go to a, a place for a couple of days, which I often do. Mm. So, yeah. That's actually a really good idea. So eating just appetizer and determining uh, how good the food is there. Yeah, yeah. If the appetizer is not good, you probably won't want to eat a main. Walk away. <laughs> so, so now, how did you? You know, you've been involved with Happy Cow for how long? Seven years, I think. Wow. Six years. Yeah. So, how did that come around? Because I know you've worked at many other places. Yeah, yeah. I met Eric, uh, founder of Happy Cow. I met him at a raw food restaurant in Santa Monica originally. And, uh, you know, what we were doing in a raw food re- vegan restaurant in Santa Monica, I don't know. That's a strange way to meet the happy cow. But, yeah, so we met there, and uh, we got along well. And it wasn't until maybe a year or so later that we met again, and he was sort of looking for someone to uh, get involved with Happy Cow and ad sales and some other things. So I just talked to him, and I said, you know, I'll try it. And I got involved that way. And uh, we, we just have been working with each other since. So what were the other places that you worked at previously? Previously, boy, I've done, um, I did a lot of website development, um, just consulting. Um, I've interviewed loads of celebrities on camera. Uh, I used to do that for uh, Microsoft Windows Media Network, um, for Hollywood.com, for this DJ. I don't know. I don't think he's still DJ anymore. Rick Dees was an internationally famous DJ. I was doing some interviews for him, Theater Radio Network. So I did a lot of, uh, a lot of that. Um, also have worked in a radio for years, uh, FM radio, um, composing music. I've made you know, money composing music and singing over the years. Uh, mostly that. Worked at ABC Television. Just a hodgepodge of different type of jobs. I worked at William Morris Talent Agency. 
Um, yeah, a lot of different sort of Hollywood meets, uh, a lot of vegan stuff. I mean, Happy Cow was actually, you know, I'd been vegan for a long time, but Happy Cow was really the first vegan job that I had. So, okay. Yeah. So I have so many questions to ask you. So tell me about your favorite interview that you've ever done with anyone, Happy Cow or related or not. Favorite, favorite. Okay. I prefer interviewing people who I can learn something from and people who I can just just get something from as, as far as something with diet or psychology or something along those lines. So although I've interviewed everyone from Matt Damon to, let's see here, to Cameron Diaz to, uh, to the late Robin Williams, um, the most, and to presidents of the United States, I've interviewed uh, president of the United States too. The most interesting have been for me, actually the doctors, the, the vegan doctors, like Dr. Greger, like uh, Dr. Neil Bernard, um, those type of people, just being able to talk to these people to me is really exciting because my heroes are actually people like these doctors who are able to give me some information and give me information that I can give to my parents and my friends. And I just find those a lot more compelling than talking to people about their movies and maybe about sort of what they do in a day's time. And it doesn't interest me as much. I don't care if they're, you know, incredibly internationally famous. But there are doctors out there that are really exciting. So those have been some of the most exciting interviews I've done. Yeah, I think Dr. Bernard and Dr. Greger are some of the kindest people I know. For sure. Yes, yes. But you know, Dr. Greger knows more than just about anybody I've ever met about, and not not just about. He knows more than anyone I've ever met about diet and food, and I find that absolutely fascinating. I could talk to that guy all day. I'd love to just hang with him all day for. For, for like five months and just, you know, learn as much as I can about diet from him. You're going to be walking on that treadmill a lot. <laughs> One of these, whoa, and coming back. Right? Yeah, exactly. no, probably would be, but, you know, he, he just has an incredible amount of information, and I find those to be the most exciting type of interviews. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's fun. That's why I'm searching out, you know, different types of people to interview. For example, just earlier today, I did an interview with a, a gentleman named Steve uh, Fortino, actually from California. He was a special ed teacher who back in the early 2000s noted that when he is having overweight uh, students come in and he started using basically a dollar a day. Well, it was $6 a week for four meals, feeding his students well. They started cooking at school and then going to the gym, and actually they improved their behavior and scores. And mm. uh, yeah, it was fascinating to me. He's such a nice man. Um, it blows my mind that that just it, it's, it was amazing. Yeah, there was something with. I mean, there have been so many things with Dr. Greger, but he, you know, he's got this site nutritionfacts.org, and you know, I go on his site, and you can put in any condition that you may or may not even have. Sometimes maybe your friend has a condition, or your parent has a condition. And he's, he has this library of information. There was one thing in particular that I, I helped my dad with. My dad had tripped on a root in the forest, and he had, like, his ankle was swollen for a period of time. And I started to do research on how to reduce the swelling just holistically. And I, I was pointed by Dr. Greger to turmeric. And then I read more about turmeric and found out that it reduces your chance of getting Alzheimer's disease. And if you already have Alzheimer's, it can actually help you to regain your memory. And so I said, Dad, you know, why don't we get you on turmeric? Well, my dad is a, a new person. And this was about three years ago. 
I remember walking around Natural Product Expo with him, and he was having trouble because his feet were hurting. The last two years, not only have his feet not been hurting him, but he walks around the entire time. I'm actually going to be going down to Columbia next month, and my parents are going to be coming down there. No problem. They'll be able to walk around and have a great time. But he really attributes it to turmeric. And the turmeric came from Dr. Greger. He was my inspiration to get my dad to take this, you know, spice slash medicine. So, you know, those type of things I find fascinating. Just food as medicine. I'm really into that right now. And the thing that's really cool with Dr. Greger's site, because as a physician, I've used his information to actually take care of other patients. So, for example, saffron has been shown Mm -hmm. in studies to work as well as fluoxetine or Prozac for depression. So I was using that with my like teenage girls and my postmenopausal women. Those are the the two people I guess that I attract. But I was having actually therapists come up and ask me, "What are you doing with your patients?" I was like, "I'm using saffron." They go, "The spice?" I'm like, "Yeah, the spice." I do supplement saffron, and that is attributable to Dr. Michael Greger as well. I started about two months ago, and my dad is now taking saffron as well. And the side effects of these, you know, pills of saffron are amazing. Like the side effects are actually, you know, imp- they're actually also making you better. You know, you don't get the headaches from them, but you end up getting, uh, you know, they help with depression. I think they help with, um, some of them help with cancer, like turmeric helps with cancer, you know, if you have cancer. It's just unbelievable what these spices do on this planet. And he's done a really nice job. One, he's got a, he's, his personality is a crack up. I mean, he's just so funny. Sure, sure. But yeah. they're very digestible, and it's a great resource for my patients or anyone to go to the nutritionfacts.org website. And, yes. you know, we have attention deficit disorder, most of us, because our media, you're like eight seconds if the, you know, the website hasn't loaded, you're out of there. But they're four to six minutes. It's it's a perfect time. Yes, that's right. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. he. I've actually know someone who would – I think Dr. Greger's married, but with someone who would love to, like, marry Dr. Greger. Like, she just – Every time we have a conversation, he just talks about how lovely he is. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, funny. Yeah. I want to do the same thing. <laughs> All right. And so um, so tell me more about Happy Cow. So when did it start and how did it start? And, like, what was, you know, his brainchild? How did that happen? Sure. Happy Cow it was started by Eric Brent uh, back in 1999. He was traveling around Asia at the time from Taiwan to India And he was basically complaining to his partner about not being able to find vegan food. And he was stuck eating rice in China. He he, he just wasn't finding the vegan food. So um, Irene Anderson from Sweden, who I've actually met, uh, she um, inspired him to just put up, do something about it. Like, what can you do? And he decided to put up a website online called Happy Cow. And... It was really small at the time. It wasn't dynamic, meaning other people couldn't add their reviews and things like that. It was sort of like he would just he just uploaded this the information that he was learning uh, to a, a site that he called Happy Cow, and um, that was I guess Happy Cow began November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine. That was when the URL was registered. Wow, that's actually coming up then. Yep. Yep. Uh, 1999, and then the app, uh, later on, uh, the, the website became more dynamic where people could, you know, upload their pictures and things like that. And then 2008, the app, the famous Happy Cow app, I was going to launch it, but the, the Happy Cow app here is, uh, was, was um, launched, and now it's become this incredibly useful resource for myself, for Eric, and everyone else uh, in the world to download it. It's an incredible resource. Here it is, Happy Cow app. Yes. 
There it is. Yep. So, yeah, so um, it, it's an incredible app which enables you to find vegan, vegetarian restaurants, veg-friendly restaurants anywhere in the world. And there, it, we're now, or Happy Cow is now in 176 countries. Um, I think there are only, what, 191 countries in the world? So we're in almost every country. Now, North Korea, I've, I've tried to figure out how to get a couple of restaurants from North Korea listed just, uh, just to get them listed, but it's not so easy. I don't even know how to contact people in North Korea. <laughs> do that oh. but we're it is you know we're trying to build this community of vegans and vegetarians we have forums on the site we have uh it's it's so it's not just a restaurant guide you can actually find airbnbs on the site farmers markets as well so there's a number of things other than just vegan restaurants a lot of people know it as the vegan restaurant guide oh, it's the largest health food store guide as well you can upload reviews you can upload pictures Difference between some of the other sites you've seen that where where restaurants and farmers markets and whatnot are reviewed is that we focus in on sort of vegans, vegetarians, and health-minded people who are writing the reviews for other health-minded people. So someone might give a restaurant on one of our competitors, <laughs> you could say. We're not even competing with them. We're, we're a little niche. Um, we're just doing that well. But if you read reviews, you might think that a certain – restaurant is you know really good or really bad based upon carnivores or or omnivores eating there i get a much better feel when i read a happy cow review from a vegan who's writing it about a vegetarian restaurant or even a veg friendly restaurant or a vegan restaurant they have a different perspective and we have a different perspective when we go to restaurants as to what we want to eat so i find it much more useful as a result that is actually very true. I actually, so I just moved from Colorado to Florida, and so my daughter helped me drive down. She's 22. And I said, Emily, we're going to use Happy Cow to determine where we're going in which way and what places we're going to eat. So we use Happy Cow for 2,200 miles. It wow. was it was great. Um, and it's it's amazing. Like, when people don't know about it, it's like, you don't know about Happy Cow? It's like on my handout I get patients. Like, you have to download this, like, right now before you leave me. <laughs> Yeah, sure, sure. And, you know, what's really uh, interesting, I was going through the number of vegan restaurants in the world. You know, there are over in, – in 2000 – I'm sorry, in – yeah, 2006, there were about 400 or so vegan restaurants. And now there are over 4,000 vegan restaurants listed on Happy Cow in 2016. And, uh, and the, the places – some of the places around the world that have vegan restaurants – I mean uh, – if you've heard me speak before, you've seen any of my interviews or anything, but I always bring up Warsaw, Poland. The reason I bring up Warsaw, Poland is maybe five years ago, Warsaw, even you know, five, ten years ago, Warsaw was known as sort of the, or Poland was known as the sausage capital of the world. When people thought of food in Warsaw, at least when I thought of food in Warsaw, and I'd never been to Poland before, but I'm part Polish, um, I remember, or I just thought of Poland as sausage place. You know, I thought, boy, I wouldn't even want to go there as a vegan because that's what they eat there. Well, Warsaw about, was it back in 2014? Yeah, 2014 or 2015? 2014. Eric says to me, Ken, this place called Warsaw, you know, the place Warsaw has, has, is really starting to become a place that has a lot of vegan restaurant listings. I mean, they're, they're submitting restaurants like every other week. Maybe we should check it out. And, you know, Eric and I have been traveling quite a bit. Um, you know, Berlin was the first destination we went to that had, like, a lot of vegan restaurants in Europe. And now in in, in uh, Berlin, I think there are 
think there's 50, 50 vegan restaurants or 54 vegan restaurants. It changes all the time and restaurants close all the time. So I have to sort of give general figures these days. I used to say, oh, there's 54 vegan restaurants in Berlin. Then I look and there's 52. It's <laughs> around 50 or so now. When we went a few years ago, there were 16. Well, Warsaw, I remember in 2014, I did a video on this called the Warsaw Vegan Explosion. Uh, we made reservations October of 2014 to go to Warsaw in 2015. And when we made reservations, there were about 11 vegan restaurants or so. And then by the time we got there, there were 16. Now, today, and I checked today, there are 35 vegan restaurants in Warsaw. Remember, I'm just talking about a, you know, not, what, two years ago, there were like 11. There's now 35. So what, you is, what is behind that explosion, do you think? Yeah, well, I did an interview um, with this guy who did a documentary that I was in in Poland about the explosion of the Warsaw vegan scene. And what he said in the interview, and you can check that out on YouTube, you can check it out on Happy Cow, or just put in Warsaw vegan explosion if you want to watch uh, the video that I did. What he attributed it to was, in the video, was this burger joint, he called it, called Krovajava. It's a vegan burger place. And... What he said happened, or what he thought happened was, Kravajava entered their vegan burger into a contest. There were 25 entries. There were not different classes. There was not the beef class and the chicken burger class and the vegan burger class. There was one class, the best burger of Warsaw. And they had a contest. And in 2014, I think 2014 or 2013, actually, I believe, 2013, Kravajava vegan burger won the burger contest. And so... That created like this intrigue about, you know, burgers and veganism. And so other places started opening soon thereafter. Last year alone in 2015, there were 15 new vegan restaurants that opened there, including two incredible vegan sushi restaurants that you can find out more about on Happy Cat. You should just check them out. I've uploaded pictures of this amazing looking sushi. In fact, in fact the best picture I've taken of food was at Edamame Vegan Sushi uh, Restaurant in Warsaw. It's wow. a vegan sushi. Amazing. So yeah, so now in 2016, again, Krovajava won the vegan, the, not the vegan burger contest, but the burger contest of Warsaw again. So it's just, it's this incredible place. And now Warsaw is in the top 10 of vegan destination cities in the world. Number one being Tokyo with about, I think it's around 52, 53. Um, actually, I just saw Berlin has around the same amount now, around in the 50s, 58, 59 vegan restaurants. I think um, Tokyo also has around 58, 59 vegan restaurants. So Tokyo and Berlin are the top two cities right now as far as vegan goes. It'd be worth going to Warsaw just to try the burger that won. Yeah, no, it's excellent. It's huge. You can see pictures of it. Actually, you can see... Um, video of it in my video, Warsaw Vegan Explosion. Um, I've actually interested myself because I'm going to bring up my little uh, little thing here just to give you sort of the top 10 places in the world with the most vegan and vegetarian restaurants. Because it is really interesting, you know, some of these places you wouldn't think. The Warsaw is the most unusual for me just because of the, ch the radical change. And as I told you, the other place, let me see here. Uh, other place was Berlin. You know, my friend about eight years ago says to me, Ken, you know, I'm, I'm in Berlin right now, and I've been constipated since I got here two weeks ago. I'm eating burgers, beef, and fries 
and I can't take it. He was in no way a vegan, but he definitely wasn't getting fiber. <laughs> well, now, you know, Berlin is the vegan capital, as I mentioned, of the uh, of the world. Okay, so let's just pull up what I, I actually just did this before the interview, um, just to come up with the places that have sort of the most vegan restaurants. Okay, so Tokyo, Japan, 59. Berlin has 59 also, but one is temporarily closed. So Berlin and uh, Tokyo, 59, 59. New York, New York metropolitan area has loads of vegan restaurants, but because, you know, there's Brooklyn and all these boroughs, what we did is we decided to just show, you know, or just um, list the vegan restaurants that are in New York City proper, 48 vegan restaurants in New York City proper, you know, Manhattan. Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam, 42. Portland, Oregon is tied with Ho Chi Minh now, 42, and I just changed that today. Bangkok, uh, Thailand, 39. Toronto, 37. Warsaw has 37. Los Angeles has 68 in the greater area, but 35 in Los Angeles proper. And then Prague, Czech Republic with 34 vegan restaurants. So that's the top 10. Those are the places. And I've actually been to all of those except for Ho Chi Minh. So uh, I, I can say my favorite place, probably Warsaw because they're in close proximity. In one square mile, there are, in one square kilometer, there are 23 vegan restaurants in Warsaw. You can walk to That's pretty cool. You would never starve there? No, never. Do you think they would uh, freeze uh, the burger and send it on dry ice? You know, that would be a call that you might want to make. Call up Kravashwa and let them know you found it on Happy Cat, of course. Yeah, that would be actually cool. They, they, you know, they actually, for the right price, I am sure they would do that for you. <laughs> My husband might have something to say about the the cost, but I'm willing to try. <laughs> It'd be cheaper than flying. I it would be. Well, who knows? It might actually be pretty close with shipping costs these days. <laughs> That's true. Friend, so a a vegan croissant from Paris. I I didn't want to tell you how much that cost. It was incredible. Vegan croissant. Wow. And she was she was very stale. I actually I I bought them in a bag because I didn't want to send her just a you know regular croissant. This was a couple months ago. And, oh, was it expensive? So <laughs> burger would be even more. On dry ice, oh. for sure. On dry ice. Boy, that would... <laughs> Not... Oh, my. So now, yeah. isn't there... There's a German grocery store, actually, isn't it, that's opening up in Portland? Um. Well, is it opening up in Portland? Perhaps. Maybe down the line. But it's actually Vegans with a Z, or in Europe, as they say, a Z, Vegans. And it's the world's largest vegan grocery store chain. And I also did an interview with the CEO of Vegans and he, Jan Bredak, great guy. It's really interesting because he opened up in, in Berlin and uh, he just opened up by this train station, uh, by this subway station. And it started to do well enough where he started to open up a number of other ones. Initially, his plan was to open these up all over the world, but what he's finding is is that he can have a broader reach by creating vegan product sections in existing grocery stores. So he doesn't have to have the overhead. So, so what he's actually doing is vegans now has their own chocolate. They're, he's actually developing it with his own team or has developed it with his own team. They have all of these vegan snacks and Amazing, you know, he showed me all these products that he has. So Vegans is becoming not only a grocery store chain, but a product company. 
And what they're doing is in Europe is they're branding their own sections within grocery stores. And they may do that here. He may open up a grocery store. I'll, I haven't spoken with him in a little while, so I have to check up on that. But for now, um, he may or may not be opening up a vegan grocery store in Oregon or anywhere else in the United States. But he definitely is looking to get his products into stores within the United States. That is a, that's actually a brilliant marketing and savings business move. I think that's fantastic. Oh, it sure is. And I'll tell you, I realized that Jan had incredible taste in food when I went to this breakfast buffet on Sunday at a little space next to Vegan's Grocery Store in Berlin. It was, to this day, the best breakfast I've ever had. It was a buffet, mixed raw food and cooked food, he, he, and it was unbelievable. And every weekend, he hires another chef to create this incredible meal, um, this incredible uh, buffet. I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but he was doing it up until, you know, maybe five months ago. Um, but he, I realized he had an incredible taste for food. And he had also treated Eric and I to a number of meals throughout Europe, not only in Berlin, but also in Prague and some other cities, even here in L.A. in Anaheim. And I, he, he has such a great taste in vegan food that I thought, wow, he should be developing products. And now he's doing just that. Mm. And his products are incredible. Mm. You know, the Vegan's branded products are really good. All of them are good. Very consistent. Okay. So. That is something to look forward to. Yeah. I hope you get them into U.S. soon. Oh, that would be amazing. So we talked about your favorite places. Yeah. And what were, well, let's find out what is some of the most unusual restaurants or items or things that you've eaten? Unusual, unusual. Okay. The unusual, I'm going to have to say presentation wise you know I, you know i'm just getting this flood of memories into my head right now but uh unusual like vegan food i, I mean unusual fruits I, I can tell you that i've eaten um in in various countries like the uh it's called what's called the protein fruit in thailand which is a cross between like a jackfruit and a durian that was pretty amazing so but as far as like restaurant experiences there's a place in milan called joya it was incredibly expensive. Luckily, I didn't have to pay for it because I probably would not have been able to fly home after that but uh, or, or wouldn't have been able to uh, afford any of my other meals over in, in Milan. But the food was just gorgeous. It was sort of painted. The plates were painted with all different colors. You can, again, take a look at Happy Cow to take a look at what the food looked like. But it was just an unusual dining experience to see all these unusual colors and purples with yellows with different colors. If anything... Um, it will, it, those who look at this, uh, look at the pictures of joyous food, they'll, they might be inspired to create their own dishes with more unique coloring. That's one thing that's inspired me when I prepare food to like combine, just look at food for its colors and try to combine those colors. But that was a really unusual experience. Um, as far as vegan restaurants, I'm trying to think, you know, I have to go through a lot of countries to try to, in my memory bank, to try to figure out which countries have unusual, like unusual, um, you know, just having vegan sushi at, 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 at Amame, you know, and the look and the way they created this vegan sushi, you'll have to check this place out on, uh, on Happy Cow and, uh, and take a look at their presentations, their platters of sushi. It was incredibly unusual because you, I guarantee you've never seen such a colorful sushi platter. Wow. And these people, the owners, I asked them, I said, have you even been to Japan? They said, oh, no, no, we've never been to Japan. But they've, they've taken sushi to an entirely new level. So that was a really unique food experience or unusual food experience. Um, 
having a sandwich. I also I was interviewed by someone in Sweden about this, but having a, this 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 Swedish sandwich, which is is loaded with meat, veganized, and eating it at a vegan truck uh, in Sweden. It was called Skarskarskruller or something like that. I can't. I still can't pronounce it. I could her video, but it was some strange sandwich over there. That was really unusual and interesting for me to try it. It was a Swedish sandwich that was uh, veganized. Um, oh, another one was for me, uh, was in Berlin. There's a place called Vonner. And you can out see my pictures on Happy Cow as well. And at Vonner, they have Donner Kebab. And they, the, the Donner Kebab is vegan, but I, this was the first time I'd ever seen Donner Kebab, on, you know, ve vegan meat on a spit that looked like, I think it's lamb. I've never had a Donner, so I think it's lamb meat. I don't know. Anyway, there's if you've gone into a, like a Donner restaurant, there's this this huge blob of meat in the back, and they cut it. You know, you've probably seen that before, or maybe you've seen that before. But anyway, they had it vegan. They made this incredible vegan meat, and when I took a bite out of that sandwich, I thought, wow, this is really, really good. Hmm. And that's an amazing experience just to be able to try that. It just fascinates me what these people can do. I I really am. Um... Yes. Oh, it's getting better and better with all the vegan products, like the vegan, you know, Miyoko's vegan cheese. I don't know if you've tried that, but, you know, the, it, we've reached a level now where, you know, when I started, there weren't all these cool vegan burgers and things like that. I remember eating my first vegan burger and it did not taste very good. My first vegan cheese tasted like a, a blob of soy, like a tofu with orange dye in it. You know, it really wasn't very good. But now we have Miyoko's Miyoko Shinner's, Miyoko's Kitchen Cheeses, and all these incredible products. I tried the Impossible Burger um, and the Beyond Burger recently as well, and boy, talk about amazing. Yeah, and I, you can get those in your grocery store. Um, you can't. I, well, Beyond you Burger. Beyond Burger in some grocery stores in the U.S. We can't buy. We're always, it's funny because L.A. used to be ahead on everything you know, as far as veganism, you know, but what's happening is some of these companies, they're based in Los Angeles, but they, they, Everyone else in the country gets to eat these products before we do in Los Angeles. Beyond Burger sold like where my parents live in Northern Virginia. We can't buy it in the stores here yet, as far as I know. I mean, at least a month ago we weren't able to. Maybe now we are. But the Impossible Burger, it's only available at a, a one restaurant in New York. And now it's available recently at Crossroads here in L.A., which is one of my favorite vegan restaurants in the world. So, And it was unbelievable. I took a bite out of this, and I thought, this actually tastes like I remember meat taking taste. <laughs> 25 years ago. It's pretty scary. Oh, my goodness. Like me, right? That's right. Their... As far as travel tips, so, you know, it's one of the things I hear a lot of is like, what about what I do, Dr. Marmots, when I'm traveling? So what do you tell your folks or what are your favorite travel tips for people? Travel tips, you know, um, I think of, there's so many. A couple of things that I've learned, uh, and I, I – I, sort of new, but I, I like to reiterate is we, if you're really trying to become vegan, I mean, I'm not going to tell you why or why you shouldn't become vegan. That's, that's for a whole different lesson. But uh, if you are vegan and you're trying to be vegan, things that you might think are vegan may not be. For example, when I was in Italy, I interviewed um, this woman who was on MTV in Italy, and she told me that pizza in Italy has what's called strutto, which is pork fat in the crust of pizza. So if you go over a you know a restaurant in Italy or perhaps in other places in the world, you might think, oh, I just want a pizza, but just put the sauce on with vegetables and I make it vegan. 
well, the crust itself is not vegan. So, you know, if you're trying to be a strict vegan, that's something you might want to look out for. And you might want to ask people at the restaurants, um, you know, whether they, they, their products are vegan. And for instance, in Mexico, I go to Mexico a lot. Um, a burrito, you think, well, I'm just going to get the burrito with beans, rice, guacamole, lettuce, and tomatoes. That should be perfect, right? Well, if you're vegan, the fact is, is the, the tortilla itself often has, um, you know, eat lard in it or possibly has lard in it or may have butter in it. Um, the beans usually ha or often have um, pork fat in it. It's a it, less expensive oil. Um, and then the rice is often cooked in chicken fat. So you're, you're not, you know, burritos overall are not vegan. Now, you can get a vegan burrito, but you do have to ask. Um, and, and there's examples like this all over the world. Even like sushi. I was in Mexico uh, and I, I ordered vegan rolls thinking, what, what could possibly be in a vegan roll? You know, the, the, the cut rolls. It's not vegan. Well, I and I saw there were vegetables. When I get it, there's cream cheese in it. Cream cheese in vegan rolls, which was bizarre. Because I saw it and I thought it was tofu at first. I figured, oh, it's tofu. And I looked at it and I'm like, that's cheese. So you, you, you really, what, what I've learned is, what I always do is I bring a Google Translate with me on my phone. And I always type in exactly what I want. Um, there is another thing called the vegan passport, which I bring with me, and it's it's a hard copy. Someone sent it to me from the Netherlands, but you can buy it online. And it basically it has pictures of um, for, for, it has um, all, all of the translations of, of of what vegans eat in various languages. But they also have this page on it that has a smiley face and a not so smiley face and, a, and an unhappy face. And the smiley face is surrounded by. Um, pictures of vegetables and um, um, things that vegans eat. The, the sad face has everything from a hive to show bee honey to eggs to beef to it's just show, have all these pictures. So you can just show this to people and you don't even have to talk to them and they can look and they usually get a, a feel for what you are and what you're doing just by looking at that picture. So that's pretty safe. But if I somehow don't have that with me and I just have my cell phone with me, I usually just type in just about everything imaginable. <laughs> like I, I don't eat fish. I don't eat things that are cooked in meat, cooked in fish, cooked in whatever. And that's really helpful. The Google Translate app is invaluable when you're traveling. And also, by the way, you can download the, the different um, languages ahead of time so that you don't even have to be online. You can just use the app and you can use it when you're not online, which is great. That's a great idea. And that reminds me of a pain scale, the happy and faces and the unhappy faces. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, metaphorically speaking, it is the pain scale because that is not only making us happier, it's making our planet happier. Uh, and the sad face is actually, you know, creating more pain as well in the world. Yes. It pain for many people and animals for sure. Planet. That's correct. Absolutely. So cool. now tell me. So we, we know the Happy Cow app. It's wonderful. You can download it. I encourage everybody to do that. But I got to know about this music. So I was listening to some of it. So when did that start? Like, tell me tell me about that. Oh, the music? Oh, you in the videos? <laughs> in the videos that you're talking about? Yeah, that started when I was six years old. My parents got a piano. I think it was my grandma's piano. And I just started playing it. I was just able to play the piano from the beginning. Just the minute I saw it, I was playing piano. So, yeah, you know, years later, I started to con I continually compose music until I was about 18. I remember taking piano lessons, couldn't stand them, 
didn't help me at all. And I, I thought, oh, I'll never go anywhere. I'm not doing well with piano lessons. And then um, I just gave up music, basically. I went to college, came out to Los Angeles. And then about 10 years ago, I just pulled up on my keyboard on my Windows computer, I pulled up on the ASDF JKL semicolon keyboard, which is basically a little application that's on Windows that you can play the piano. And I started playing these the letters on my my keyboard as a piano. Then I downloaded some software, started to like sequence this stuff. Next thing I know, two years later, I was getting signed to labels. A couple of years after that, I started. I was asked to sing by this Russian. Uh, producer that heard me on the radio and he said do you sing and I said I can maybe I'll try my dad sang and I'll try to next thing I know I was singing on a bunch of tracks too and I've sung on a bunch of releases and I've composed a bunch of music and so happy cow I just make music and I score the videos <laughs> I that's I mean I, I actually only spend a few hours on those but um you know, maybe I'll release some of them. You know, I'll fix them up and release some of them. But I spend a couple, few hours, and yeah, that's what I do. So that's Long. right. So basically, you travel the world. You get to eat vegan food, talk about it, and you get to do music, and you get paid to do all this. Yes, pretty much. I mean, let's put it this way: as far as the uh, traveling experience, um, you know, I put I put some of my own money into that. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no way Happy Cow could afford to pay. Uh, you know, all of this, all of these bills, but we do it as a, as a labor of love, both Eric and I. So, you know, we put, we put some of our own money into it. Um, you know, certain things that are business related, like I speak all over the world at various vegan events. Um, so yeah, I mean, those things we, we, you know, you know, maybe we do as a little bit of a happy cow expense, but overall we just sort of do it because we love doing it. So, uh, mm. labor of love. Yeah. And seriously jealous that's pretty awesome it's it's a very interesting lifestyle let's put it that way <laughs> many people would die to be have have that lifestyle yeah. oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> um so tell me is there anything else that you feel like for example you know i'm i talk to people on a regular basis trying to get them to change their diet i mean actually just this morning i i started krav maga it's a israeli self-defense class and i've done it before yeah, that's a great self-defense. Got the owners and his wife, his fiance to to go plant-based today. Nice. So that is that is like always on my mind. What am I going to find motivators? So what advice do you have for people who are contemplating switching their diet? I personally, um, a lot of people look at me and they 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 wonder why I'm so lean, um, why I'm so healthy, why I have so much energy. And I see people around me who are aging a lot faster than I am. And I can't say I fully attribute it to the vegan diet. I also attribute it to having a good attitude. But when I go in to see my Western doctor and my Western doctor takes my blood tests, I never freak out and I never think, oh, I should have been doing something better and I should have been, I should have been, you know, eating better because I eat the best that I can. I try to eat the best quality food. I try to eat as many fruits and vegetables as possible. And each time I get my blood tested, and I've been getting my blood tested for years, my results are always perfect. And I just see a lot of people around me getting sick. I see people getting obese. And I realize that that if you want to live the, the fullest, happiest life possible, definitely eat the best foods possible for you know your system. 
And what I find is, you know, I, I, my entire family, my dad, my, my mom, they're, they're all meat eaters. I'm the only vegan in my family, only vegetarian in my family. Um, but I've realized that it's, it's, it's helped me as far as, you know, I don't need to sleep very much. Um, it's helped me as far as, you know, just being more confident about uh, my life. And it's helped me to look at the world in terms of a place that I'm, I'm helping in terms of my diet. And the more I speak about veganism, I'm helping the world to, to, to um, reduce CO2 uh, emissions and methane emissions. Um, it helps the human being. It helps the planet. There are just so many reasons. I do tell people, you know, and I've been recently telling people, Cowspiracy was an incredible movie that I, I saw a documentary. But on their website, they, they basically have documented why we should become vegan and the actual statistics of what animal agriculture does to the world. So not only does it has it helped me, people who I know have gone vegan have uh, lost weight and and have become more healthy. But you do have to supplement. I mean, I, you have to supplement B12. Um, according to Dr. Greger again, and your D3 might be a little bit low if you're not getting a lot of sunlight. Um, but other than sort of D3, possibly iron, um, possibly calcium, normally just D3 and, and B12, those are crucial elements that a lot of vegans are not getting a, enough of. And EPA, DHA, and omega-3s, those are something else you might have. But other than that, it's just, I think it's the optimal diet, and I think it helps the planet. And uh, I mean, I, I know it helps the planet, and I know it helps the individual as well. So, absolutely. Yeah. So you just overwhelm them with positives, and what are they going to say? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I know there's different types of people that, that take a different, you know, perspective on this. I know Gary Orofsky was was traveling around the world talking about animal rights and how we should be eating animals, and he did a really good job converting people. But my way of going about doing it is more or less, you know, inviting people to eat with me or cooking them food or giving them food, um, taking them to vegan restaurants, telling them about vegan restaurants. That seems to help considerably. You know, just people know that the, the food's out there. It exists and it's good for you. And it tastes really good. You know? It does. Yeah, no, I just get their entire medical history. So, and that they're yeah. depressed and. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. It's. Uh, Pretty, it's pretty amazing. You know, I took my cousin. My cousin um, is in television. He did a show called Seinfeld. He was executive producer of Seinfeld. This was a guy who had not eaten uh, at our vegan restaurant before until about two months ago. And I took him to Crossroads. And he was amazed. He said, you know, we, we ate the vegan crab cake made of artichoke hearts. And he says, Ken, this is the best crab cake I've ever had. And then we went on to you know, different dishes. And he says, God, this food is amazing. Then we went to the chicken scallopini, which was made of garden chicken. It was just amazing. And he said, this is the best. This is amazing. Then at the end of the meal, he just says, Ken, this is the best. This is the best restaurant I've ever eaten at. And I thought, wow, you know, this is a guy who's got, you know, a lot of money. And he, you know, realizes now that, that, that vegan food doesn't mean tasteless. It doesn't mean salads. It, it's just amazing. And that change, you know, in his thinking that vegan food is, is good could, can change a lot in his life. Mm -hmm. But by telling, you know, people that are perhaps watching this who are not vegan yet, the food is becoming better and better and better. So, you know, be, being vegan is becoming easier and better uh, uh, in terms of quality. And so I just say, you know, if you read about the planet, which I always say, you know, definitely, you know, that Cowspiracy site, as I mentioned, just check out what meat eating is really doing to the planet. I mean, look at the statistics. It's unbelievable what is happening out there. And so 
sort of really help to create a better world for all of us and create, uh, you know, a, a healthier person. You know, I, I really, truly believe that veganism is the way to go. Right. Absolutely. My 18-year-old, uh, the the environmental aspects is a huge reason why he's converted. So beyond the fact that I wouldn't let him eat anything like that at home. But, um, yeah, I agree 100%. I actually use a cowspiracy because they actually cite their sources. So That's why I love it so much. The, and. And it's a one page, you know, you can just go over it really quickly and see the different information on there. Um, I, you know, there was one um, just about the amount of CO2 and the amount of nitrous oxide that's released and all these chemicals that are released and the, how, how, you know, how meat pollutes the water wells and waterways around the farms. And, oh, it's, it's really devastating. And, you know, even, you know, j just the fact that you love meat I will tell you this, you know, I remember loving the taste of meat. I was a guy that loved glazed donuts. But when you really start to put the figures together, you, you start to realize that the, the amount of happiness that you're getting from these things is usually short-lived. And the amount of happiness you're getting when you change your diet to a more healthful diet is for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So it's this quick, quick fix of meat or, you know, high sugar content or whatever it is. You know, the more, the healthier you become now and the habits you set up now will create a happier life for you and for the rest of the people on the planet. Absolutely, 100% correct. And unfortunately, some people have this inability to understand that there is a better future than what they're experiencing right now. So what I found really helpful, because I've done lifestyle medicine clinics and stuff, but I actually do cooking demonstrations while I'm teaching and actually feed them while they're learning because... I, I'm not afraid to call someone. I I'm I'm I won't take them to the restaurant. And I'll feed you, but I'm going to teach you why you're having a heart attack right now. I'm going to talk about why you have heart disease, why you have diabetes, and um, that has actually been really interesting to have that um, experience to cook for someone and have them enjoy it and understand it and just see like their eyes open and the glow. It's it's a lot of fun. Yes, and, and around the world, um, I'm always surprised on, and, and it's not a result of them being stupid, but how ignorant people really are. Um, you know, one thing, you know, which I, the reason I push Dr. Greger's site internationally when I speak and is because if, if, if we were to require that students learn from someone like this, if we required people to watch Cowspiracy and to learn the facts about cowspiracy, I think we'd be living in a very different world. Mm -hmm. So the more we educate people about these, the environmental issues and the diet issues, and as you said, you know, people, you know, getting heart attacks. You know, I actually told Dr. Greger that my cholesterol is, you know, incredibly low, and he says, you know, don't worry about it. You're never going to get a heart attack. You're basically your arteries are going to be, you know, fine forever. Um, you're not collecting this, the, the fat in your arteries. And yeah. So start learning about this stuff, you, you really recognize that you, you can you can change the world, but, you know, it has to really start with you. Right. Well, that's why we switched when I had some patients get better just on a whim when they said meat and dairy upset their stomach and they got better and I started doing research. I was like, what is this? And yep. I changed the whole family. I mean, God bless my husband. Um, but, you know, they we didn't raise them to be picky, so a little overnight, three teenagers and my husband and I, we literally went plant-based. And so, <laughs> but, you know, it's been an amazing journey, and I can't believe that we don't learn about this in medical school. And that is one of my things that I really want to 
work on. So my daughter starts medical school next summer. So I will be figuring out a way to, you know, kind of worm myself over there and do some talks because they need to understand. The one thing I've realized is it, you know, to this day, you know, other she'll go to, um, she's, she's with uh, an HMO, she's with Kaiser actually. And, and believe it or not, which I think is amazing, Kaiser on their website promotes a vegan diet and actually lists Happy Cow. We didn't ask them to do that. They put, you know, and find vegan restaurants on Happy Cow. So we get a free advertisement on Kaiser, which is great. But one thing that I've realized is, you know, she'll go into her doctors and they'll tell her certain things that I'm not convinced are things that are actually going to help her. As, as you mentioned, you know, do doctors are not given a, a lot of required or mandatory uh, health courses. So, you know, my feeling is, is, you know, in, instead of, I mean, you can listen to your doctor and get your blood test from your doctor, but I find that researching things yourself, uh, you know, if you, if you, again, Dr. Greger, who goes through, I don't know how many medical journals he reads per week, but he reads an exorbitant amount of medical journals. He doesn't have any sort of motive to, uh, to get you to become vegan other than that it's helpful. I actually heard of this one video that he has where he actually talks about how we should, you know, if we're going to be eating meat, we should be eating bugs. And I know that annoyed a lot of vegans, but I thought, you know, I like that he's pointing that out because this is a guy who, if he were, you know, one of these guys who was only about the vegan diet and he was blind to any study about meat or eating bugs, he would never have reported that, but he did. And I thought, you know, this is a guy I can trust even more because he's, he's promoting health. He's not promoting veganism, he's promoting health. So I would say if you go to your doctor, you know, when they say, you know, you, you know, maybe you shouldn't be taking that supplement or maybe you should be, I'd say do your own research online, Dr. Gary being a, a good source, but there are plenty of other sources. And, you know, try to figure out whether your doctor knows what he's talking about. I've been told a lot of things to do by my doctors. I remember was, I was given, I thought I had, I thought I was coming down with, you know, a virus or something or a flu. And I remember I was given antibiotics immediately, which I never took. I mean, he says, here, let me write you a prescription antibiotics. I said, aren't you going to give me, you know, do some blood work or, you know, a throat culture or something? He said, oh, no, 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 we'll just, we'll just give you this. And if it doesn't go away, I thought, I don't want to just take it. Well, I'm, I'm living right now, and I never took those antibiotics. Um, and I healed myself. So that's what I find, you know, to be, you know, we, we, we go into doctors after we're sick, but there are things like garlic. I was, and I've mentioned this a million times. You know, raw garlic, if you don't want to get colds anymore, the minute you're, you feel like that cold is coming down, pop raw garlic. The component, the constituent allicin in there can, can kill rhinovirus, kill bacteria, kill fungus. So, so, I mean, instead of getting sick, you can prevent, you know, flu or colds, you can take the raw garlic. And uh, so there's a lot of medicines and foods, and I believe in prevention and not go, having to go to the doctor after you've been abusing your body on, on the wrong foods your whole life. Yeah, no, uh, garlic's nature's antibiotic. That's what I tell my patients. And antiviral. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, when, you know, I have colleagues whose patients I would see and I would approach them about, you know, the plant-based diet and doing this. And it's like a glazed look just comes over yeah. their face. And it's, for me, it's extremely frustrating because we are supposed to be ground in science. The science is there, just like you're saying. Dr. Gregorsite, Dr. Usselston, all these guys, Dr. Bernard, you can't deny it. This is just them being stubborn because they think they should know it already, but they don't. It's like, oh, it's so frustrating because they could be saving lives. And so uh, that is really my outreach 
too is is reaching out to doctors. Absolutely, and I forgot Dr. Furman. You know, I interviewed Dr. Furman, and you know, he 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 did one thing that really tweaked my brain, and I I knew this. But, you know, he talks about his G bombs, and so when I go in, I, you know, I, I use that. When I go to a salad bar, I'm like G bombs, and I just say, and then I go over and I say, okay, there are the mushrooms. There's the, so, um, you know, the greens, the beans, the uh, the onions, uh, onions mushrooms. the mushrooms, and the berries, and seeds. And always put those in my salad, making salad the focal point of your of your day. I mean, these are things that you know. But it's sort of nice to have that acronym in your head, and it's sort of nice to have those letters in your head. And as you go to a salad bar, you just remember, oh yeah, I forgot to put the purples on. I forgot to put the you know the, the, these blueberries on my salad. So so yeah, these you know, and all of these doctors, you know, some people think, oh, if it's a doctor and he's written a book, he's basically trying to promote his book, and even if he hears you know information to the contrary, he still wants to sell his book, so he's going to talk positively about the diet. That he, that he endorses, but the fact is, you know, again, Dr. Greger, he he doesn't, he's a nonprofit, and he's basically just putting these videos out for free. And if a study changes, he'll tell you, oh, by the way, I told you that hibiscus tea might not be good for you. Well, now it is good for you. Well, maybe it's not good for you this week. So he actually changes right. his opinion based upon the news that comes in, the studies that come in, yep. and it, you know, and he, it's not about his ego. He's just reporting the studies so he doesn't feel like he's compelled to tell you something that's not correct right that on the knowledge or based on the studies that are going on at that particular time absolutely 100 <laughs> percent. so there's so many reasons to, uh, to yeah absolutely and i i couldn't agree with you more but i'll tell you i've had a delightful conversation with you and i really appreciate your time oh thank you oh there was one thing i wanted to say really quickly it's i, I a lot of vegans who have anorexia nervosa or orthorexia, you know, just picking certain foods that they want to eat. And the one thing that I would definitely recommend is if you're feeling hungry and you feel lousy, do something about it. Don't just feel lousy. If you're ve because you're vegan shouldn't mean that you feel lousy. You know, eat some beans, eat some, you know, various things. Get your blood tested too. If you're vegan, at your blood test and make sure you're not deficient. Right. That's 100%. Because some people do struggle a little bit. There are a few micronutrients, taurine, iodine, zinc, you know, sometimes iron. But I found that the zinc and definitely the B12, um, the issues. But then if you want the omega-3s, that's actually really good for growing kiddo brains. And you can get that from the algae. That's where the fish get it. So absolutely and and doctors need to be aware of that as well. If you do have someone with a special diet, like, you know, plant-based diet, that they need to be aware of those. So Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of every uh, interview, anything else you'd like to say? Anything else I'd like to say? Um, that was a big one because I do know a lot of people who do suffer from that. And yeah. recently a friend of mine, she ended up getting on. Uh, I, I just said, you know, I read to her about all of the essential amino acids that we need that we do not create in our bodies. And... I went and beans covered a good majority of them and she was not eating beans. Now that she's eating beans, she's not hungry any longer. Look at that. Imagine that eating an entirely, you know, like I said, the wide spectrum, the color of the rainbow, all the food yeah. groups uh, and nuts and seeds are very important to give you some great energy, the good fats that we need. Um, yeah. But at the end of every interview, I like to always say thank you and acknowledge you for everything you've done and all the great information and making being a vegan in the world much easier. And uh, I really appreciate your, your time again. Great, great. Thank you so much, Lori. <laughs> You're welcome. And have a good night. Bye-bye.